Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. This is Don't Miss This. And now, this is oh, oh. <laughs> this is a fun one because we don't usually give you a video this week. Right, because this would be the video that would come for General Conference Sunday, and normally we just send out a newsletter, which we obviously did because you got it. Um, but we thought this is such a unique and fantastic time to be on the earth, and this General Conference is um, just one that we've been anticipating all together as a church. This is your favorite part, and too. So, I just have to say this. Remember when President Nelson said... It was going to be historic and unforgettable. Yes. And now he doesn't even have to do anything because it is going to be historic and unforgettable <laughs> simply because no one can even go to it. We just have to be at home and Y'all, watch it. But the surprises have just begun. <laughs> oh, no. Like, it really is going to be so good. Either that or President Nelson already knew we were all staying home before no, conference. It's going to be more than that. It's going to be better. Jesus is coming. That is a lie. He is not telling the truth. <laughs> That's the only thing that would be unforgettable for me. So, <laughs> And but, it would be exciting. I'm not going to lie. But you did not hear that from us. <laughs> okay, six months ago, at the end of General Conference, President Nelson reminded all of us this is going to be the 200th birthday of the First Vision. I know you should say anniversary, but who didn't want it to be a birthday? Should we serve birthday cake at General Conference? I had this family send me a video of their sons with a birthday cake with 200 candles on it to celebrate oh, the first that's so vision. Fun. Everybody, let's do that. They had a fire extinguisher next to it. If your house burns down, we relinquish all responsibility <laughs> to this video, to YouTube, to anybody involved in this. So, But that is fun. Do it outside with who a fireman. Who put the 200 candles in and how big was the cake? Ooh. Well, not that big, but it filled it, and the flame was like, what? Did they so have, big. like, a blowtorch? No, they blew they it did out. It one the three by boys one. blew out the a candles. A blowtorch is how you would light the candles. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is fun already. But here we go. Six months ago, here, right here are the invitations from President Nelson for this restoration celebration that's just upon us now, which is awesome. And if you feel like, oh no, we haven't done anything, and then Corona ruined all my intentions, no, it actually we still helped. have time. We yeah, because time. now everybody's at home. They have nothing to do. You have six days, five probably. Yeah, when you watch this. Yeah, what it's, else are you yeah, going to do? You're yeah, just going to prepare time. for a conference. This is what he said. Here were his invitations. Okay, please can I say the first one? Bless. Oh yep. yeah, I'm so excited. The first one was, read the first vision. But as we were studying for the Doctrine and Covenants next year, we came upon the most awesome things. So when you get your scriptures out next time, cross out Joseph Smith history. Just cross it out. Because it used to be called the history of Joseph Smith, an account of his marvelous experience. Who wants to study that? <laughs> Me. <laughs> I know. Why, why did they change it to Joseph Smith history? It's so much more better if it says... An account of his marvelous experience. So, please read the account of his marvelous experience before conference. It's much more intriguing to want to read that. Who wants to read a history book? Nobody. Yeah. It was good when they renamed the history of the church, Saints. Yeah. They've gotten on better now. Okay. <laughs> Second thing is he said, select some questions to ponder and think about. And he gave a couple of suggestions. One of them was, 
What, how would your life be different if you didn't have the truths of the Book of Mormon in it? Or if you didn't have some of the truths of the restoration of the gospel? Like just to like be thinking through a little bit about what is it that's actually, it's hard to know how much your life's been impacted mm -hmm. by the restoration of the gospel you know, because especially if you've just been in it your whole life to just sit and think like, what is it that's actually different and changed because of it for me? Yeah. And we love that he was like, you choose your own questions. Like, what do you want your study to look like? What questions do you want to ask about the restoration? I love that he leaves it so open for us to think about it. Yeah. And on the next one too, he says, just design a plan of something. What's neat is he's just asking us do something a little bit different than you've done in the past for general conference to kind of just ready your heart to get into a celebratory mode to get into kind of a pondering place and our favorite part of his invitation was this line mm -hmm. these sound like to do they could sound like to do list check check whatever those things <laughs> but I, we love when he said immerse yourself in the glorious light of the restoration and right now, everybody who lives in winter wants to go outside and immerse themselves mm. in the sunlight and imagine doing that with the truths of the gospel and the restoration of it. Like just just, just celebrate it and love it and mm. just think about it and just let it warm your face and your faith yeah. and your heart and all the things. So, so that's what's awesome. So we just want to talk about a couple things a little bit shorter today um, that we love so much among so many things that we love about the... Um, the restoration of the gospel. Mine come from Joseph Smith's marvelous experience. So do yours. <laughs> but in particular, I started thinking about this. I actually thought about this a couple of years ago when I was teaching seminary at um, Lehigh High School. There was this little statue of the first vision that was right outside my classroom. And um, I walked out one day and noticed it was like a little bit crooked, maybe it was going to fall. So I went to go center it on its shelf again. And I saw that the front of it was Joseph kneeling down and the father and the son and um, when I was messing with it, I noticed that the sculptor had finished the backside of the sculpture also. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And when I turned it around, I saw that the sculptor had put, um, uh, the, the father had his arm around just the back and shoulder of, of the Savior when he was introducing him. And, and I thought, that's the first mm -hmm. time I've ever thought, I've always read and thought about this first vision experience from Joseph's perspective looking up and never from heaven's perspective looking down. And what a beautiful day that was for the Father and the Son to come announcing we have so many gifts and light and truth to pour out onto the world right now. And, and just the, from heaven's perspective what the restoration was like. And it got me thinking about not so much the things that Joseph did um, but to think about what were the lessons that Joseph learned. He comes out of the grove and he leans against the fireplace, you remember. Mm -hmm. And his mom's like, is everything okay? And this is how you knew he was 14 because he said, it's, it's all fine. All is well. And you know, and, and you're kind of like, ah, you just had Earth's like third best experience that's happened to anybody. And it's just like any 14 year old who comes home from school. How was the day? Fine. fine. <laughs> no matter what happened, even if you saw God in the woods. So he's leaning on and he uses a line. He says, I've learned for myself. And I started thinking to myself, what did you learn for yourself out there? Um, and particularly, what did you learn about God and your relationship with him? 
And I came up with five words that I've just been thinking about just this past six months of the things that he learned about his relationship with God. And I love them because they're true about all of us. And I just, I'm backwards. Um, I wrote them just right here. And, and what's so cool is you can come up with some of your own words and own things that, that he learned that might be more meaningful to you. But one of those is that um, he's heard. Uh, that of all the people in all the world, and particularly Joseph Smith, he says in his account, we were this obscure family and we were bankrupt several times. And he was this poor farm kid who walked with a limp, who almost died in, in a leg surgery earlier. And, and, and who'd have thought that God of all the people in the world would have heard his prayer, but he did. He heard him and he showed up with with. Um, the Savior and fire and glory and, and angels, and it was all for an audience of one. And that's a beautiful truth that he hears us. Kind of along with that is this word that he was known. The first word the Father speaks is his name. You know, he says his name mm -hmm. to him, and everybody wants to be known. Everybody wants to be recognized. And here was the God of heaven and earth who called him, you know, by his name. Yeah. And just, isn't it beautiful? The first word of this dispensation is Joseph, you know, by name, hmm. um, that he was delivered. He says in his account, I was delivered from the enemy that held me bound. And that is a work that God is still doing with all of us today. He is delivering us from our fears, from our doubts, from our insecurities. And one day he will deliver us from all of our enemies. Don't you love like words like this? Mm -hmm. you like, don't you want to walk around being like, I'm heard and I'm known and I'm delivered. Um, Jesus says to Joseph in the grove, you are forgiven of your sins. That's one of the first things. When, when the father says to Joseph, hear him, the first thing he hears from Jesus's lips is, you are forgiven. And don't you just love the idea of knowing like I've been forgiven, you know, of my sins because of, of the Savior. He, he probably saw the prints in his hands and in his feet, you mm -hmm. know, to know that that was, that was true. And then my last word that I picked was, Beloved, which is a word that means fully loved. Hmm. That right from the very beginning and through the entire experience, um, Joseph was fully loved by the Father and the Son. And that is true for all of us. So you might pick some other words. Um, amazed might be mm -hmm. one. Just like amazed by how good they are. and just. But all of those things. Like, yes, we learned that the Father and the Son were separate beings and that they had bodies. But I think what's more important is we learned about their hearts hmm. and their relationship. The whole restoration story starts with a father reaching out uh, to his son, to, oh, you know, so to good. his boy in the grove. And so I hope that we can you know, think about you know, some of yeah. those things about, about our relationship with him too. I just have one word that I love, and I am so in love with it right now as I have been doing this study and thinking about what do we learn about this. And it's actually the word restore. Um, and I think historically we have thought to ourselves, this is a word that just describes when we think of restoration, we think about the church. That's where our mind goes. Um, and we, if I were to ask you to study it, probably the classes or the um, memories that would come to mind are exactly the questions that we kind of started with. Um, how would your life be different if it hadn't been for the restoration of the church? What would we be missing? What are the blessings of the restoration? We would name temples, uh, baptism, keys, priests of keys, things, which ceiling. are important and great. Yeah. And, and we've had that conversation so many times, 
but we rarely stop and actually think about that word restoration. And um, I hadn't realized until I looked how many times the word restore is used in scripture. I just want you to think about this. These are some of my favorite phrases just from all of scripture, from all of the standard works. But I want you to think about your own self and where would you need this in your life or in the life of your family, in the life of a loved one. He can restore a soul. He can restore health. He can restore you to wholeness. He can restore the years that were taken away from you. Mm. He can restore the love of God. He can restore true faith. He can restore happiness. He can restore that which is good. And he can restore blessings. Now think about your life for a minute and where do you need a restoration? Um, I want you to think about this too for a minute. How many of you have restored a piece of furniture before? Or a car? Um, some people might have restored a car before. I haven't. Or a bicycle. Um, is that something? <laughs> Has anyone restored a bicycle? Yeah, you can restore bicycles. Wow, okay. Remember my Schwinn tandem bike oh. in my garage that I restored, and it still has the original leather seats and the baby carrier on the back that is not safe at all. It doesn't even have a seatbelt. Um, I, I love the fact of that work, of that process of restoration. You might have seen it happen, but let me ask you this. Would you ever do that in your living room, on your carpet, next to your nice couches like who would do a restoration in your living room like a car can you imagine <laughs> i was putting this in here for a minute while i work on it why would we not do a restoration in our living room because it's messy everyone restoration is messy and sometimes we forget about that we think to ourselves, the church was restored and we think it's done and it's all cleaned up and someone put the garage back together since that project. And we don't realize we actually belong to a living church, which means we're actually still in the process of restoration. And sometimes it is messy and we actually see the mess of it. Like we experience the mess of that. And I also think this, have you ever thought to yourself that God was not just restoring a church at that time, but that he was actually restoring a boy at the same time? The same time we are watching the restoration of a church, we are watching the restoration of a prophet. And I love when we read in the Joseph Smith history where he tells us, um, I frequently fell into many foolish errors. Um, I displayed weakness of youth and the foibles of human nature. He tells us there were follies in his life. And I think about those three words, foolish and foibles and follies. And that was who this boy was. And you look at the church and how many times have we seen that same thing where it's been foolish and there have been foibles and there are follies. And how many times do we remember, oh yeah, this is a restoration. Like we are actually watching the process of a restoration. We are watching the sanding down. We are participating in the filling of the dents. We are watching God actually do a great work in mm. front of us. And I think to myself, it gives me so much courage and peace to think if God is willing to let the work of the restoration of a church be messy, and the work of the restoration of a prophet 
be messy and he allows me to see the mess, then it allows me to look at my life and be like, okay, I'm okay then. Because if God is willing to work in that kind of a situation, he would be willing to work with me. I love what Joseph says in verse 22 of the Joseph Smith history. He says, this is probably my favorite verse of the whole story of his marvelous experience is he tells us, oh, I was an obscure boy of no consequence in the world. And how many times have you felt obscure and of no consequence? And maybe one of the greatest truths of the restoration is that God answers the prayers of people who feel like they are obscure and have no consequence. And that's me and that's you. And God cares about the restoration of each of us and what that's going to look like. I love when Moroni comes to Joseph and he says this in verse 33. He called me by name and he said that God had a work for me to do. And I believe he does that for us, that exact same thing. He's going to look at us and think, I know who you are and I have a work for you to do. And we're going to say, I might not be capable of that. Like you may need to increase my capacity. I'm, I might do foolish things. There might be foibles. Um, there could be follies in what is happening right now. Like you might want to choose someone else. And then God would say, no, I chose Joseph and I watched him go through all of those things and we did okay. And the same thing now, you know, he looks at each of us, wherever we are, Emma, and Brigham Young, and all of these people who he is restoring through this process. I don't think the work of the restoration, the finishing, the wholeness, that moment when everything is put back in order and is perfect is going to happen until the world is finished. I think the restoration will go on until the moment when Jesus comes back. And we will be a part of that restoration. And there are times when it is going to be messy. It's just true. That's how a restoration works. But what we do know is there will also be revelation because a restoration does not happen without revelation. And even if that revelation looks messy and we don't have the full picture and we don't completely understand, which is true. I mean, you start sanding down that first layer of paint and the second and the third, and you wonder what the original was even supposed to look like when you get started. But with time and with effort and with patience and with laboring diligently and with trust and with hope and with faith, eventually that piece becomes beautiful. It, It becomes exactly what it was meant to be. And, and that's, what's so fascinating about the whole thing. Yes. Like if it didn't happen through a messy experience, like it wouldn't be such a beautiful end. Yes. Like it really is. The cool part of it is that it happens through imperfect, you know, just people. And we get to watch the process, which doesn't make, doesn't that make you think we're going to appreciate it so much more at the end? Because we are living it. We are watching it. Both of us have these bracelets that we are wearing right now to remind us um, about this word restore. Because as I enter into conference, for me, that is the word that I am holding on to. I see how he's doing it with the church. I see how he did it with a 14-year-old boy. And I want to believe the same is going to be true of me. And I want to look at this list 
and think, what do I need him to restore in me right now? And that's what I'm going to hope for. That's what I'm going to pray for. That's what I'm going to listen for at conference. And what you need to know is this. As you were talking, I was just thinking about, like, I just started zooming out and thinking that the whole, everything begins in Genesis 1 with this Garden of Eden, Mm. perfect state. And then it just has been messy. And it's like, that's the end. That it's going to be all brought back to that original Mm. Garden of Eden place. And until it's there, the work of the restoration isn't finished yeah it continues for the world or for me and this is my new favorite restoration verse it's exactly what you were just talking about it's second nephi 30 verse 8 and it says this and it shall come to pass that the lord god will commence his work among all nations kindreds tongues and people that's all of us to bring about the restoration of his people upon the earth Mm. It's so good. That's what he's doing, and we're a part of it, and yeah. it's so exciting. And, and just imagine what is about to happen. We don't even know, everyone, because yeah. what is President Nelson going to do next? <laughs> and what we should really be asking is, what is the Father going to do Yeah, what is God going to do next? In me, yeah. in all of us. In it's the so church. exciting. Yeah, there are good things ahead. We feel that. So we can't wait to see what's going to happen. We'll be watching with all of you, and then we'll see you next week. For Easter, which is coming right after. <laughs> This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.